This is All People Are Crazy, a reverent discussions on how to cope with being a perfectly normal crazy person. These conversations are to nudge your curiosity about mental health, fill in any gaps in your knowledge, and encourage you to make the difficult deal of taking your own advice. This podcast series includes adult concepts, explicit language, discussions of mental health, mental illness, suicide, trauma, violence, drugs, and sex, but generally not all at the same time. Please be gentle with yourself and remember to seek support if you need it, starting with family and friends, your general practitioner, and in Australia Lifeline from 13, 11, 14. Welcome back to All People Are Crazy. Yes, they are. I'm Lisa Downs, and I'm joined by Australian psychologist and my favourite inflatable Santa, Tom Lothian. Full disclosure, we're recording it's around Christmas time. Hello, Tom. Hello. Yes, I'm like the, the schmuck of a grown-up that like will dress up as we'll what demean is himself definitely child no child is convinced that i'm santa even kids are like <laughs> hold, a lot a, of side chat about hold that. like a fundamentalist belief in santa and bless them uh yeah all of those kids also kind of like yeah not the real santa <laughs> shut up i hate your parents it's not true i love both those children and their parents <laughs> Oh, wow. That was great. You were great. <laughs> End of season. End of season. We End made of it. season. Unbelievable. Oh How long has this taken Just for you to get across the line? 18 short months. <laughs> Very short months. in COVID time is like yesterday. <laughs> it's the stop go version of society in my whole sense of time disappeared yeah. entirely so yeah. this has been so fast in so, con- so fast. <laughs> not so much not really. but that's all right you got busy i got busy we both got busy we both avoided for a while it was great well a lot of avoidance <laughs> emotional but that's all right it's working out man it's working out <laughs> um so last week we gave you the world secret to amazing <laughs> sleep you weren't supposed to laugh in the middle of that that's okay i'm gonna start that again last week we gave you the world secret to amazing sleep yes no, we didn't. No, we didn't. We, we quite sadly, as with all these sessions yeah. where Tom gives me really boring, annoying answers, we talked through the hard truths of really going the fuck to sleep. What to do when sleep is evading you and upping your crazy slash monster elements and making life yeah. hard. So how to just work backwards from that and... Let it go. True story. True story. That's a good movie. Better movie than you would realise. Now, before we launch into this week, just my usual reminder that Tom does not dispense personal medical advice. All his advice is general in nature, and you should seek professional support for your own individual circumstances. So in Australia, start with your GP. Mm. So, Tom. Yes. Is my crazy... The same as you're crazy. And sometimes after a few hours in this tent, oh, I question a lot I know. of these We're like <laughs> enter like a hive mind <laughs> mode where we are. It's hard to tell where you finish and I begin and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> is it important? We are all crazy, Tom. That yes. is like the premise of our podcast. Of the whole thing. So the short answer to your important question about relationships is... Yes, is the first is the first answer. Of course, all the people are crazy. We're all cavemen in the 21st century. Are those all the same? No, because as a part of being beautiful, unique snowflakes, all snowflakes are different oh, as well. I know, cute. it's such lovely so imagery. Are you crazy? Am I crazy? Yes. Do they have to fit together? No. Really? Is the interesting thing. Okay, so because this is my question. Is there like a... If you're, yeah, I feel like Paula Abdul summed up really quite best, you know. <laughs> 
If I take two steps back and you take one step nice. forward, do we nice. all go together? Opposites attract. Yeah. That's excellent. But so is that the gist? Do we need to find someone who specifically compliments us or I mean, I think, are there yes. ranges? What as are we talking about As far as the people we choose in our lives, I actually think that's a really good way of framing it. People vary. So people are different, essentially, is my kind of important point there. And whether you're comparing yourself to others or trying to fit with others, let yourself be weird and different. And then you got to let yourself change like on any given day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because Monday doesn't have to be the same as Tuesday. It has to be the same as Saturday, right? You're yeah. going to vary as well over that time scale. So I would actually suggest that how like opposites attracty birds of a feather flocking together-y we are on any given day can vary enormously, right? I think when you and I are both on an up day in particular, and you and I, I think, are kind of fairly similar as far as like the energy we bring to a room, <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's an easy fit, which is why, you know, you're always the person that I'm hoping to like sit across from in a <laughs> tiny tent getting uncomfortably warm. Uh, but, you know, both of us will also have quiet days or anxious days or down days or whatever else. And then we're not going to be as good a fit as far as such things are concerned. And that's okay. I think, again, allowing each of us to be weird individually and allowing for the kind of connected weirdness to maybe work and maybe not, that's a really important point as far as kind of people fitting together. Do you have to fit together with people? I mean, no. Again, big shout out to the the boundaries uh, episode that we we did. I think that's all about kind of figuring out whether someone is generally so far out of the zone as far as a good fit for you uh, that yeah. you don't want to hold them quite as close generally as you currently are. And the opposite's also true. You might find that there's someone who hums on the same frequency as you by and large, and that's a person you perhaps want to bring in closer. Um, but understanding there's a lot of like noise in that signal, right? Both of us are varying quite a lot within our lives on any given day, hell, even between morning and afternoon. Um, and so whether... Our vibe, our relationship is going to work is a highly variable beast. I don't think that makes it impossible. I just think it means that we need to be comfortable with letting things connect half or letting them connect three quarters rather than feeling like we need to be beautifully locked all the time. Yeah, I feel like it's quite a liberating thing to actually get to a point where you can step back and start being a bit more curious about everyone once you acknowledge that everyone is crazy mm -hmm. um and then look at people and be curious about their crazinesses yeah. and see when they come out and be curious about what triggers that and what triggers yours and mm, how you interact at different nice. points in time then you stop putting pressure on relationships having to be perfect all the time and yep. you can perhaps be a bit more like the way grace yeah. you know catchphrase from an old boss of mine but um then you can perhaps have your interactions with a bit more grace and approach them with a Oh, you're having some of this flavor of crazy today. Yeah. My flavor of crazy is not going to fit with that right now. Let's exactly. give each other some time out or exactly. let's reconvene at a later date. Yeah. Or I'm going to say the fuck away from you because <laughs> you're feeling some feelings right now and you're not really processing them very well. Or you haven't eaten lately or I'm going to get you some food. Let's get you some food and then come back <laughs> and have this chat. <laughs> like, I mean, we, we've kind of started this conversation <laughs> in that context of the people that you choose, which is important, and we should absolutely focus on that. And there are some people in our lives that we don't choose, right? Family is an important kind of context here. Ding, but let's ding. stay with <laughs> let's, let's stay with the people that we choose as okay. a starting point. Yeah. And while normally when I talk 
talk about uh, Jane Austen, I would normally just like jump up and down on Pride and Prejudice as a book because I have a whole thing about how I <laughs> idealized love in that, like they lived happily ever after way. And your partner and I love <laughs> this so much and there is no rom-com too <laughs> ridiculous for us to fall in love with. Shout out to Virgin River. Oh my God. Many, many times. Oh. Just give us the unrealistic expectations Smart of our relationship. Smart people yeah? doing yeah. dumb things. <laughs> anyway. Love it so much. To make an unusually positive statement from my perspective about mm. The Pride and Prejudice. I think that that's a book that shows actually kind of two different versions of that relationship. women can change men. <laughs> All right, fine. We're doing this. I'm going on the rant and then I will come back and try and be sensible afterwards. Yes, absolutely. That you can take a rich, gorgeous, slightly socially retarded man, yes. make fun of him once, yes. and then he's in love with you forever. Tick. No. That is not how... Feelings work. <laughs> or relationships. Mary became the princess of Denmark. Like, oh I'm sure that's how it happened. She laughed with him in a pub and then she became Frederick's wife. That's it, right? Yeah, sure. I'm, they definitely didn't have the challenges of, like, moving country and her having to step away from, I think she worked in, like, real estate or something first. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she was sorry to let that yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, I mean, I would, like, make supportive comments towards real estate agents, but I have a notoriously fractious <laughs> relationship with them, to be honest. So yeah, I will not. Yeah, I'm not going to actually offer them any support. But anyway, so let's take like Eliza Bennett and Darcy as, by the end of that book, a relationship that is close and connected and where they're like totally up in each other's grill all the time. Uh, And then you contrast that with the Mr. Collins relationship with his wife, whose name I can't remember Uh, in this moment because I don't actually like this story very much. Um, But importantly, their relationship, the, the Collinses' relationship, is quite distant. And that's mm. the distance that works for them, right? That both of them have their opposite ends of the house and they find a contentment in that. Sure, within a broader social context, which I think is the kind of actual theme of that book and the, the kind of important notes on like feminism and class. Uh, but all of that aside, I don't really care about that because my job is feelings and relationships. As far as relational kind of concepts are concerned, yeah, those are two great contrasting couples. The point I would make is that we are all either the Collinses or the Darcy's every day. And as in that kind of represents two poles of all of our relationships in any given moment, that we, you and I could be having a Collins-flavoured moment uh, on any given day, or we could be having a Darcy-flavoured moment on any given day, not that we are romantically entwined. This is entwined. much deeper than I've ever watched <laughs> Pride and Prejudice. Mark, keep oh going. my God. <laughs> He's, so was- people, like, integrate messages within their art, right? You get this is, like, how art works, right? Okay, can we do a whole episode on Virgin River? Uh, yeah. I have not watched okay. any of this show, and I <laughs> have great reason to. at this stage. I feel like that's a different podcast. Okay. Like, Lisa tortures Tom with a show he doesn't want to watch. <laughs> About and physically tortures him with sleep deprivation yeah, of Virgin River. About the slutty guy from the West Wing and that Australian guy whose name I can never remember. It's so good. Okay, so we're digging up. We've dug up out of your rant about uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Yep, we're bringing it back. Back through my hesitant, like, congratulations to Pride and Prejudice yep. and the acknowledgement that relationships vary not just between people but within people as well. Yep. That you we're going to be in different states of closeness or farness away as far as a comfortable zone is concerned and that that is totally okay because I think this is a topic 
really about how can we make relationships work as best they can. And I think a big part of that is acknowledging the kind of baseline level of madness that we all bring to any given space uh, and how variable our madness is depending on the day and like whether you've had a meal or not uh, is a really big factor. Whether you've had a good night's sleep, right, to kind of highlight, um, you know, the the last episode. Um, So all of that side of things, absolutely. Like firstly, no universal standard for sanity, uh, which means that even if you're dealing with folks who are having a good day, they're probably having a good day in quite a different way from the way you might be having a good day. And that's before things start getting complicated. Oh, boy. I know. Um, Bombshell. They're the people you can choose. <laughs> yes. What's your vibe on people you can't choose? Well, that is a bit challenging, isn't yeah. it? Because you don't get to pick your family. And, mm. I mean, there's like plenty of relationships in life where you're essentially thrown together by random chance as well. Yeah. So, I mean, to a degree, employment uh, yes. It's like, you know, hopefully you've got a degree of choice as far as if you're the employee in particular and indeed the employer uh, as to how that works. But let's be honest, the recruitment process is really pretty short. Mm. We're often talking about half an hour or an hour's interview and maybe some reference checks to then establish a relationship that might go for 40 hours a week for multiple years. Yeah. Like that's a lot to decide in a fairly short period of time and understandable uh, that it doesn't necessarily work out as far as goodness of fit between two people um, or within a group is concerned. Um, And then, of course, you've got your family, your in-laws. You generally don't pick your in-laws. And if you've got your family, I think these are folks who are going to be in your life to one degree or another. Even if you're not seeing them, they're still in your life, right? Mm. Because you still know that you're from that family. And so how you hold that is going to be a kind of bigger question. And I think that's where the boundary stuff really comes to its own, right? Recognizing what you can get, uh, accepting what you can get, hopefully celebrating what you can get and grieving what you can't, right? Like I think it'd be very few, I mean, folks, particularly as they hit adulthood, but even through adolescence in particular, will look at their parents and say, I really want you to be this person for me, or I want you to share this interest or do this thing. And it's a sad recognition that you can't have that a lot of the time because your parents are people too and flawed and weird and sensitive. And crazy. And crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think the way in which we hold those relationships, the ones that are essentially thrust upon us, um, yeah, is a little bit different because it's not like a friendship or a partner where you can essentially let it go to a to full degree, right? You can stop talking to a person. They can stop being your friend. You can stop stop being in a romantic relationship. They can stop being your partner. Uh, you know, your mum and your dad are always going to be your mum and your dad, even if you disown them, right? Even in the like the most extreme version, which is very sad, uh, they will still always be your mum and your dad. That connection continues. Yeah. So I feel like before we keep going down this path, mm-hmm. now is a good time to have a little like asterisk disclaimer. <laughs> um, so... You can choose your crazy, mm-hmm. and that means you don't have to keep people around who are not mm. being crazy. You can remove those people from your life or make active choices to get out. Mm. Um, but you also don't have to put up with people's crazy, and particularly I'm going down the violence or emotional or physical type of oh, abuse absolutely. type of path. If it's like, a, oh, this is the only person that will fit with my crazy because I've got an element of crazy nice. and I'm talking nasty about myself in my yes. head and I think this is the only crazy that will fit yes. me, maybe not so good. That is a really great way of introducing that. And I, I kind of call back to, I think, our first episode where I talked about nobody makes you feel anything 
Yeah. Well, this kind of speaks to that asterisk on that, right? Like nobody makes you feel anything unless you're being forced to feel things in a traumatizing environment. Yeah. Yeah. And when your power is taken away, when choice is taken away, then you don't really have agency over your feelings at that stage. Yeah. Uh, and like I do a lot of trauma work as far as my therapy practice is concerned. And like we talk about it, well, I talk about it with a lot of my clients that, you know, they've had the experience of having feelings forced into them, rarely happy feelings. Yeah. Uh, and it's an important point to note that while, you know, a lot of this conversation that we're having kind of sits in that domain of people who we're assuming have the freedom to make choices, yeah. there's a lot of folks who don't. Yeah, great. Yeah. So this chat's going to be about people with agency yeah. and dealing with the mildly uncomfortable people that are family if they're hopefully mildly uncomfortable. And <laughs> yes. otherwise, yeah. the more serious circumstances, <laughs> well, see bigger help. Absolutely. And look, at it in, uh, in Australia in particular, I'll uh, give a shout out to 1-800-RESPECT, uh, yeah. which is the phone number for that agency. They're one of our uh, new and big family violence services um, and a great place to start. So if you feel like you're in a situation where there's the conflict is more violent than you want it to be. Uh, so conflict is inevitable, for instance, uh, for starters, in all relationships, but that conflict doesn't have to be scary uh, or threatening or damaging. Uh, and so if you have the sense that your conflict is drifting in that direction, uh, 1-800-RESPECT is a really great starting point. Um, yeah, to sound out whether you have a family violence problem, either as the perpetrator or as a victim, uh, or... Uh, if you're already at that point and you're interested in starting to figure out what to do next, because uh, there are resources available. Actually, there's a lot of resources available in Australia now uh, around family violence in particular, um, and you know help is available again for victims and perpetrators and folks who tick both boxes because that is also a thing. Yeah, as far True. as you know, the violence is True. concerned. All right, so let's pick us back up. Where to next? Where to next? I mean, I would say as far as negotiating the various crazy in your life, your own and other people's, firstly, and I've said this in multiple other episodes, a problem is not a problem unless it's a problem. Yeah, I we think, love that one. Yeah, I think if you can find somebody else's insanity, bemusing is a good term. Yeah, uh, like Or indeed entertaining. Uh, and I think a big part of that, to kind of come back to nobody makes you feel anything, asterisk, if it's not the asterisk, right, if I, I mean, let's use an example that you've raised uh, in, in previous episodes, Lisa, right? If I get frustrated because you're drinking more coffee than you tell me is good for you, like, surely that's a me problem. Like, why would I be relying on you to change so I can feel better? I mean, sure, I can, like, ask you nicely with my manners, but why am I asking you nicely to take better care of yourself for the sake of my emotions? I would suggest that's a bit emotional blackmail-y. Uh, yes, I know. Now, I have no inherent problem with emotional blackmail. Um, I think that it can be a really great motivator in the right context, but I think that context is pretty limited. Uh, yeah, and so I think recognizing the distinction between one person's experience and another person's experience. So your coffee drinking is not my problem apart from anything else. And if we're going to have this wonderful sweat lodgy friendship, uh, then I need to be accepting that you're going to drink coffee until you don't, right? That that's a you problem and I will support you in either direction and that's the way that works. And then it gets to be comfortable. Mm. Ooh, what's yeah. your face telling me, mate? Well, my face is going, okay, but if it's not you asking me to stop drinking coffee yeah. and it's a partner asking me <laughs> to stop drinking coffee because <laughs> decent lounge goes to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> 
is that emotional blackmail acceptable? Ah, oh, see, I wouldn't say that is emotional oh, blackmail okay. because what that theoretical partner <laughs> has to wear some of the consequences of your choices. And this is an important point, right? Then we have low boundary relationships. Our choices impact other people. Mm. I mean, potentially even in high boundary relationships as well. Uh, you know, and that's kind so of the point. So then you should be open violence. to feedback. Absolutely. Is that what I mean, saying? I think it's always good to be open to feedback. I don't think you have to take action on that feedback necessarily, right? You would have to be. I think it's good to sit back, hear what other people who care about you, in particular, right? If people who care about you are coming to you with, you know, kind of hard feedback, because let's be honest, when people yeah. come to you with nice feedback, that's just called having fun yeah. uh yeah it can be uncomfortable sometimes to hear compliments about yourself but other than that it's usually around a high fives and everyone gets to do what they're doing mm. whereas if someone's coming to you like look i'm really worried about your coffee drinking mm. and we should really talk about that it's one thing for you and i to talk about that mm. we here's a spoiler alert lisa and i do not share a bed <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom would have intervened on diesel houses. Toilet, my toilet habits years ago. Yes. <laughs> With some Your partner, Lomtovian. <laughs> No, no, it okay. is it yeah. is not me. Not I am me. not the partner. Great. Good chat. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> but different for your partner whose own sleep might be disturbed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by all means, I think there's nothing wrong with expressing your concern and affection for a person and your desire for their greater wellness. Uh, but I think hitching your emotional bandwagon up to the dysfunctional choices of another person. And coffee is a great example because it's low stakes, right? Like this is not a terribly intense kind of topic to potentially be working on, even if it is a literal and metaphorical pain in the ass. I know, until I'm sleep-depriving <laughs> someone like a torture cell. <laughs> is it the greyhound? Is the greyhound providing this feedback? Anyway, that aside, right? She provides notes. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I think it's that. Anyway, yeah. so I think it's acknowledging that we are not, completely separate islands, right? That people are in fact connected uh, and that the choices we make can impact others. And that if it's your own feelings, if your feelings and only your feelings mm. are the impact, then that's an interesting conversation and one to pursue. But sometimes it's more than that, right? Sometimes it is sleep or time or, I don't know, resources of some description. And then, yeah, it's an important conversation. Um, yeah, as again, to how close or far we're going to hold any given relationship uh you know if the punchline is well essentially i'm choosing my dysfunctional coffee habit over sleeping in the same room as my partner (laughs) that becomes a very interesting conversation for you um yeah because you know your partner mine people's friends our friendship like we all get to make our choices at every Mm. stage along the way in this context which is an important point yes yes how does that sit as a kind of thesis for emotional manipulation as opposed to just asking for what you want yeah and then obviously theoretical partner can make their own choices about what they do with me correct (laughs) so i feel like you're saying context is quite important context is everything i would suggest because again like any of this stuff can be problematic in the wrong context. And any of this stuff can be deeply useful in the right context. And I think that's true of relationships as well. I think that uh, your relationship with me in the context where we get to like hang out when we can and we get to sweat lodge it when the opportunity presents itself is wonderful. Um, Should we like whatever, live together in one big house and work together as well, 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Mm. Yeah, both of us are shaking our heads just so you know. Uh, That's probably a level of closeness that isn't going to work, mm. right? Um, and that's fine 
Like, I don't think that has to be a bad thing in the mm. sense. I think that we can, in fact, have the best of all things when we hold folks at a distance that works for us both. And I think that in, that term best is really important because what it doesn't mean is perfect. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think being realistic, trusting that humans will act with human nature, which let's keep in mind is rarely a good thing. Sometimes it is, right? People can be deeply helpful in the right context, but people are also batshit crazy in the right context as well. Mm. I was talking about this with a client, I think yesterday, we were saying that, you know, in the right context, two strangers might help each other out, exchange items in support if there's a flood or a bushfire or whatever, right? We see amazing societal work happen in this country when there are natural disasters, which is handy because there are a few. Uh, But those could be the same two strangers who might literally fight each other in a supermarket for toilet paper neither of them needs. Yeah. In the right context. Haven't they been great times? Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tool for the job. Like everything else we've talked about. Tool for the job. Also stop hoarding toilet paper, you crazy <laughs> bastards. It, it all makes sense. The toilet paper <laughs> thing all makes sense. I'm not saying it's helpful and please don't do it. Yeah, but understand that in, when things get anxiety provoking in society, you'll be attracted to the resources that appear scarce and it's easy for toilet paper to appear scarce because there's not a lot of it on the shelves in any given moment. It's a big unit. Yeah. Okay, so how do I figure out <laughs> if my crazy fits with your crazy? I mean, I'm going to make the radical suggestion of using your feelings. Uh, ah, apart from, I know, what a, what a bombshell. Ah. Yeah, I think, uh, and I said this in the in the Boundaries episode, that if you have repetitive, warm feelings towards a person, you can probably lower your boundaries somewhat. And I would encourage you to do it slowly. Uh, and I think the opposite is also true. If you have repetitive, unpleasant feelings towards a person, you should probably raise your boundaries mm. somewhat. And again, I would also encourage you to do it slowly. That's an important point when it comes to that kind of asterisk work, right? Family violence, violence, manipulation, yeah. flavored work. That's probably a time where, particularly if you're not in it and you're not committed yet, but you're getting those big red flags, yeah, pull out, right? Pull back. Yeah. Uh, time to time to throw those walls up if that's what you see coming. And uh, importantly, you kind of your emotional mind and your rational mind are agreeing with them each other. If you're like, this feels weird, and rationally you're like, yeah, that's because that person is probably a psycho yeah. uh, good to pull out at that yeah. stage of the game because we do see folks in uh, relationships where seemingly both people function well in other relationships and then it goes very sideways as far as that specific relationship is concerned yeah i mean hard to figure out exactly what happened there but arguably the johnny depp amber heard relationship yeah is an example where these were two people who seem to have had quite good relationships with their former partners and then together it has gone terribly badly yeah and then of course there are narratives where she's a perpetrator or he's a perpetrator or both or neither uh and so again to to call that i'm not like <laughs> aligning with one side or the other in this is a thing but uh, think of the dogs oh god <laughs> sorry that aside so uh if i figured out through listening to my feelings <laughs> that again over a long period of time right? and when i say a long period of time i mean like more than a minute um so yeah, again, okay. don't because again we, we talked about this a lot in the last episode as well but any given moment is probably not a profound truth yeah okay but when you accumulate a pattern over a period of time you know days to weeks is a totally 
fine time scale. Uh, that I think is when you can hear yourself like, all right, my emotional brain is like nudging me in a very consistent direction here. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably not that I need a sandwich. Uh, it's yeah. probably I've actually, dealt with that. yeah, <laughs> I've had the sandwich. <laughs> it was great. Thank you. Uh, and now, yeah, it turns out actually maybe there's an issue here. Yeah. Yeah. And then you figure it out. Right. So I've done that. Mm-hmm. I've figured out that. My crazy uh, and um, another person's crazy, crazy. Yep. Um, mostly work, but maybe not so much. Like, or nice. maybe like, do I work hard at it? Mm. What if? What if over years with a friend? Yes, we've changed a little bit. Yes, do we work hard at keeping the crazy together? Ooh, nice. Or do we just give it up if, like, after a few weeks of sandwiches and good sleeps, I'm still not <laughs> feeling the vibes? That is great. Uh, I would say if you want to. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's Is a it have to. saving? Do you have to do it? That's a, do you have like, to do it for the children? Do you have to do no. it for the 10 years of memories? Do you do you feel obliged? Well, I mean, weirdly enough, I'm going to say that that's kind of a moral call more than anything else. I think that speaks to the values of any given individual. Mm. Uh, and so if it matters to you and if you want to do it, Potentially, if they want to do it too, although there's a whole kind of interesting part of this conversation about like self-sacrifice. Mm. Uh, but I think essentially it's not mandatory in most places with most relationships. Um, and even if we are talking about like marriage, right, is a really okay. great example. Yeah. So do we stay together for the kids? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to suggest that that is firstly a question that I get kind of semi-regularly. And what I would say to that is, well, aren't you better off having a good relationship for the kids? And that might mean living together. That might mean being in a romantic relationship. And that might mean not living together. That might mean not being in a romantic relationship. And it might mean every combination thereof. Again, I think it's good to be open and curious and creative about all the options available. Because, again, apart from anything else, when we put all the options on the table, uh, then we don't feel trapped. And when we don't feel trapped in one option, now there's a bit more room to move and we can figure out exactly what we do want. We might land on the one option that was the one we're trapping ourselves in in the first instance, but at least we've done that, weighing it up against other potentials. And this that makes this the best option available. doesn't have to be good to be the best option available. The best and least worst are the same thing. And, oh, oh wait, yeah, no, whoa, 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 there we the go. The best and the least worst. Are the same thing. Uh, are they? Yeah. Okay, so let's say you're separating parents. Right. Right, so in the normal context of separating, so let's take a normal context of a separating relationship. Generally, that's awful. Yes. Yes, because you've been really close, you've been intimate in all of the ways, uh, and now there's a recognition from one or both people uh, that you need to have a lot more distance. And so the general situation will be you never talk together again. Like, that's a really common kind of scenario that plays out there. Maybe you catch up occasionally or as part of a something else, but it's relatively unusual to move from being intimate partners, romantic partners, to being friends after the fact. And that's okay, right? I think that's a way to manage the grief and the pain apart from anything else. If you're not, like, pushing that button with all of the, like, Pavlov's triggers of that other person on a regular basis, then it's a good idea to not talk together. Then we take separating parents 
who have the same emotional context for themselves in their romantic relationship, and they have to work together, preferably really closely, for the benefit of their children. Mm. Like, logistically, for one thing, kids take a lot of work, but also, fingers crossed, they can maintain a consistent parental alliance. Mm. That all the kids know that all the parents love them. Yes, the parents may be changing their relationship, but mum and dad genuinely are still there. And no, like there's still going to be consistent rules around whatever, screen time or bedtime or all of that stuff that kids push back on. Everywhere, everywhere, all the time. This is it. (laughs) And so sometimes that's achievable and sometimes it's not, right? Because I'm going to suggest that in a scenario where there's a huge amount of really hard feeling between separating parents, yeah, like having constructive conversations about parenting is not feasible. And so the least worst option available is to maintain a high degree of distance because then you're not playing out conflict one for the benefit of either party because no one gets to feel good Mm. after that and also it's very bad for kids Mm. very bad for kids to watch parents hate each other particularly prepubescent children right because prepubescent children derive their esteem and identity from their connections with their parents so if mum hates dad and dad hates mum mum is essentially asking the children to hate half of themselves the dad half of themselves and Mm. dad is doing the same thing but with Mm. the other half Mm. Uh, and that is not good news and of course we can substitute you know mum for dad for uncle for whoever Mm. right like you know again families come in every weird and wonderful shape as well yeah and so if it's super distant is it perfect no now it was never going to be perfect anyway but it might not even be as good as it used to be and that's hard And I'm still going to suggest that that's the best option available as a relatively extreme example. So the best option is the least worst outcome or I'll phrase it this way, the best that you can do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a a really important point, right? Like allowing the best to be imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because even under the best of circumstances, right, again, I will come back to hanging shit on Jane Austen uh, and the Disney Corporation. There is no happy ever after. Stop it. None of these people. And the prince and they overcome so much. Oh, my God. How is that possibly going to work out? Hasn't she had legs for like three days or something? Yep. Yep. Like, what's going to happen when she finds like stairs? I know. Like, what if she starts talking and he's like, oh, God. Is that what you sound like? Just briefly, but you know. Oh, this is not a foundation for success. (laughs) Yeah. Moving, moving boundaries slowly. Right. (laughs) Moving boundaries slowly. Yeah. You're going to make me watch Virgin River and then we're going to work through every Disney Disney princess film. Oh, God. I hate this so much. So I think the big thing out of that was like to do that, do I make that my, you know, do I change myself to make my crazy fit with yours? Big thing was only if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise choose the best Mm. outcome, like whatever you feel like is okay within you, back to your feelings. Yeah. And that's a big acceptance piece. Now, keeping in mind acceptance is not approval. We don't have to enjoy that. Often we do, right, to be really clear. And I think – uh, part of moving into like proper grown up like relationships, whether they're friendships or romantic relationships. Shut up, Tom. So you make you made a face then that was highly entertaining. Putting it into my cup of tea, and you weren't supposed to see it. <laughs> Having think... up with your grown up relationships. Some of us are slow bloomers. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. I need to recenter and try and remember what my point was. 
which I'm pretty sure. Acceptance is not the same as approval. Yeah, I think so. I think when we accept that the people in our lives aren't perfect, but if you want to use a romantic statement, they're perfect for us, uh, which actually means they work (laughs) because they're not perfect for us. Otherwise, they'd be meeting all of our needs all the time. And that's not a thing, Mm. right? Because we are within ourselves too variable and individual and they are within themselves too variable and individual. And there'll be these brief moments, right, where you come together like, wow, this was like a perfect moment where all the things came together. And that is likely to happen rarely. (laughs) Side tunnel, is this a plug for polyamory? Oh, interesting. I mean, I would say no, uh, not as like inherent. Thi- well, weirdly enough, no and yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, firstly, okay. in, in the context, so polyamory is uh, romantic relationships involving more than two people, and in a sense, it's a plug for polyamory because I think everybody needs a village. And I think that one of my big beefs with the Disney Corporation and Jane Austen is it kind of zeroes in on these uh, these dyad relationships, right? One out yeah. relationships, yeah. one two people uh, connected together, and like a hundred percent of the needs have to be met in that yes. context. Whereas I would say that you want a hundred percent of your needs met across your village. Yeah. So in a sense, while you and I are not romantically connected, you yeah. absolutely meet some of my really important needs, yeah. and I hope that I can do the same you for do. you. Oh, thanks, mate. Good chat. Yeah, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once it's less sweaty. But that's uh, the theory behind polyamory, right? It's the yeah, you don't well, have, to have all your needs met by the one person. Exactly. I think yeah. the the reason why I would say both no and yes as to why you know this isn't a, an episode that advocates explicitly for sex chat. polyamory <laughs> is that of course if things are complicated between two people. Things get exponentially more complicated every time you add a person to mm. that situation. And I tell you, there's a there's a wonderful show uh, in Australia on on our national broadcaster on ABC. Uh, I think it just sits on the streaming service there, iView, uh, which is called uh, "You Can't Ask That." Yes. And so there's a, a like the, the the kind of premise of that show is that you have uh, random questions sent by the internet. So these are essentially emotionally unfiltered questions uh, because there's no like social recourse in that context and these are marginalized groups of Australians who are asked the questions everybody has in their mind but nobody's prepared to say out loud unless they're a colossal jerk Uh, but because it's the context it isn't jerky to like have that Uh, polyamory was covered in that uh, episode Uh, and I mean you'll hear those guys right these beautiful polyamorous triads quatrateds whatever the like the term yeah yeah, the fours out fives out however many and they're like no this is not like a chronic fuck fest all the time because like what are the odds that everyone's gonna be horny simultaneously mm. like that's a you know that's like the alignment of the planets type situation uh it's much more about navigating communication and boundaries really clearly uh and yeah like sex is sure important in all the relationships where it occurs uh but there's a lot of other stuff that's important yeah. in those relationships as well like respect or how to stack a dishwasher or all of these various things uh so yeah i think polyamory is fine as long as that works for you it works for you um and is it the solution to absolutely everything for all people no no of course not because nothing is the solution to absolutely everybody yeah i think polyamory and to go to your village analysis which Mm. i quite like it's almost like 
I'm a jigsaw piece of puzzle. Yes. With my little craziness. And nice. each of my little hole bits have got little crazy little elements that I want to plug people into. That is nice. And I might like going to musicals with some of my crazy people <laughs> and they go in there. And I might like talking about greyhounds and they plug in there. And I might like playing ball games and they plug in there. Whatever that is. And there's people I might call on my down days. Or yes. there's people I might only talk to on my up days or yep. whatever that might be. But so I can meet all my different crazy needs, but I don't need to look at just one person and exactly. go, you need to meet all my needs, otherwise we need to do work to make this be a one plus one equals two situation. Exactly. I think that's a really lovely way of putting it. Uh, and I think there's a lot of kind of cultural push, certainly in the like Western sphere, where we're like, no, this love has to be perfect and forever and in total. Yeah. And no, no, it doesn't. And it never was either. Like that was never the the case in any of this stuff. Disney does have a lot to answer for. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there as well. Let's not pretend that isn't the case. Uh, and that Disneyland is amazing. But... <laughs> It's <laughs> not the 80s ones. No. <laughs> Pretty much, right? All that stuff, like, kind of pre, I don't know, like Mulan, I guess. Yeah, it's like uh, beauty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Let's come back to consent as a very concerning <laughs> topic. Yeah, and I think we've discussed it previously. Cinderella, he never speaks. Yeah. You don't hear anything from Prince Charming. You don't even know if he has a nose, well, which isn't to say that you can't love someone without a nose, but yep. you probably want to know one way or another. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think... Letting go. Paper play. <laughs> oh God! I don't think we even covered the like background to that joke in this episode. Hanging never season two. We'll cover it. Oh my God! Or <laughs> listen to the previous episode where I explained what is probably an in joke uh, that we are putting on the internet. You're all on the end oh now. my God! They're in our tribe. They're in our crazy people tribe. <laughs> Amazing. If they're hung in there with us for 10 episodes, <laughs> we're tight. Yeah, thank you to everyone who's hung in there for 10 episodes. It's very good of you. This shit's wild. <laughs> At times, I feel like this is getting solely disinhibited. But even that's a point, right? Like, the point is that you can have these moments where you need disinhibition or you need to someone who's really, like, keeping it together, like, mm. light and bright and tight. Uh, and that's fine. All mm. of those things are kind of important needs that we all have and they shift around. Yeah, on the shifting scale, mm. talk me through your theory on Big Spoon, Little Spoon. <laughs> as in who, like, holds the power in the relationship? No, or who? who's perhaps doing the emotional heavy lifting for the day. It doesn't have to always be the one person. No, exactly. I mean, I would say to that, firstly, that it's entirely normal that one person be feeling better or worse on any given day. Um, and I think as long as it kind of balances out to the expected degree in yeah. the fullness of time, then it's fine. Yeah. So I think in the normal state of play in grown-up relationships, you want it to work out roughly evens. Yeah. Like that would be the kind of template side of things. But if you take like my relationships with my kids, for instance, I don't expect them to take as much care of me as yeah. I do of them because uh, they're kids, right? In the immortal words of Homer Simpson, kids are idiots. If they weren't, they'd be grown-ups. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot to that. And I think like uh, to kind of call back to that parenting episode, um, I'm not sure whether we kind of discussed it explicitly in that way, but the shifting kind of power dynamic, right? The, the shifting care dynamic in uh, child relationships as they move through childhood into adolescence, into grown-uphood, fascinating. Because essentially the grown-up is, yeah, not having to do as much because the child builds independence, but the grown-up is also having to let go mm. of a degree of control. Uh, and that is not always uh, desirable as far as grown-ups are concerned. And I say that as a person with a lot of control issues, <laughs> right? Which is one of the things that makes my job 
terrifying on a regular <laughs> basis. Because while I have a lot of power in my therapeutic relationships, I have like no control. Yeah. Like none. I can't fix people. Like that's why we're doing this whole podcast series apart from anything else is to reinforce again and again. Yeah, sure that there's good advice out there, but also to really highlight that no one can fix you. And if you're waiting for somebody else to change so that you can feel better, oh, I think that's a terrible life strategy. Yeah. I think the maximum you can do on that as a thing is ask for what you want with your words and your manners. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've said that in a previous I like episode. It yeah, it's worth repeating, right? Yeah. Because again, then another person either gets to do their work or they don't. I mean, I think that's a, a kind of good point to touch on, like, self-sacrifice yeah. as a concept. Because there are plenty of relationships out there uh, where there is a bigger spoon and there is a smaller spoon, right? One person is, like, digging in in the totality of life to a far greater degree than the other person. And that is the dynamic. Yeah. And I think apart from anything else, if you're not letting other people take care of you, you're not letting them in close. Yeah. That that is potentially hard to hear, right? But you can't actually have all the really close relationships without letting yourself be vulnerable in front of other people. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, one of my uh, kind of big measuring sticks for is this person going to be a good friend or partner uh, is what do they do when you have food poisoning? Is this someone who's going to like hold your hair back and uh, get you a glass of water yeah. in between entertaining bouts of vomiting or are they going to run away screaming or get angry at you? Yeah, uh, cause, blame you. Yeah, because yeah. any of those like less pleasant ones, yeah, this is not a person that you want to hold really close because yeah. uh, they're not able to leave room for your needs. So psychologist Tom says if you really want to test your <laughs> oh, relationship, God. find out if they're for you. Oh, eat a bad <laughs> burger or something <laughs> do poison yourself no. and see the reaction no yeah. <laughs> no don't don't do the that end. <laughs> god no okay because it so, doesn't need to be actual food poisoning okay so let's just go with as opposed to me uh perhaps uh slandering uh your speech who are some experts who have better relationship advice than I do? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so there is, of course, a whole like group of theorists mm -hmm. in this space. And I, I haven't said it for, I think, since the first episode, but I am, while I do the vast majority of like mental health work as far as this job is concerned, right? So I feel like I'm a fairly competent group therapist and I do a lot of individual therapy. I am a comedically bad couples counsellor. Uh, so this is not my kind of area of expertise as far as practice is concerned, but I read this uh, kind of area fairly closely. Firstly, I provide what's called supervision. I'm the like senior psychologist for other clinicians who do couples counselling, and it's fascinating as well, and it has implications for relationships more generally. So my go-to guys in this space are the Gottmans, oh, yeah. uh, who are a husband and wife team, uh, and he is a brilliant researcher and quite good at um, doing therapy, and she is is a brilliant therapist and quite good at doing research. And so they have this lovely kind of dynamic between them, which I think plays out in their work as well. So there's a lovely kind of complementarity, I would say. Right is an excellent element of their work. So what's their version? Their version of the, I mean, apart from anything else, my, one of my kind of favorite findings from all of psychological science, and yes, I understand how nerdy I sound because I have a favorite like finding from psychological science. Yeah, let's talk about that later. <laughs> is that... <laughs> In happy couples, conflict goes unresolved two-thirds of the time. Ooh. That's wait, a lot. What? <laughs> You're just going to bed angry two-thirds of the time. You did not sell that as surprise, and that's fine because I've told you before. When See, if you replicated that, 
you looked at me. I think you, in my memory, you like thumped a table and spat a mouthful of tea in my face <laughs> as like an element of Thank surprise you. type reaction. <laughs> we don't need to replicate that. This is a small space. I do have and there are multiple computers in here. You will shit all of the electronics in this room if you go d- down that pathway. So, no, the, yes, your point, weirdly enough, you kind of had that throwaway line. You go to bed well, angry. Well, my mom's theory was always like, don't go to bed angry. Well, that's right? a good point. So you've got to resolve conflicts 100% ah, of the time. And this was the, the kind of the underlying goal for the longest time, right? Up until the Gottmans did their work to say, no, no, no. You don't, I mean, one, don't go to bed angry. That's a really important point. But you don't need to resolve conflict. Right. What you might want to do is shift your focus to disagree comfortably. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. I know. I which, like this. Yeah, okay. Which is great. Right? That is such a clever piece of work that they've done, and they are wonderful. Is that because I am always right? <laughs> <laughs> so I can let my Holy partner God. think that he's right <laughs> because I am Oh, dear God. <laughs> I feel like, one, I feel like I'm bleeding out of at least one of my ears. And two. (laughs) I'm so good at relationships. Don't know why I've been single for so long. (laughs) I'm gold. I just, I've got all the answers. I'm taking clients, people. No, I'm not. That's what I'm doing. I mean, you are just not in this field, right? (laughs) That's That's in a different field. Are you taking clients? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Okay, And so while I know that that is like (laughs) to a large degree, but disturbingly not entirely a joke as far as that (laughs) statement is concerned, I think importantly what it speaks to is a deeper truth which is that actually no one has all the answers because there is no... You've entertained yourself now, haven't you? It's all right. You take a moment over here. I'll I'll say some clever things to the grown-ups listing and you can just, like, slowly re-regulate. If only you'd weed more overnight. That would have totally solved that as a problem. Oh, my God. I love that this season started off with me darling in your crazy shit in yep. the episodes. It's just it's entirely reversed. I know. There's a little role reverse. We've hive-minded it as we've gone on. No. See, as a yeah, listen to all ten and hear how a relationship <laughs> can evolve and different crazy like the jigsaw pieces have moved around as far <laughs> as this metaphor is concerned. <sighs> okay. Woo! Good, I'm back. Okay, I'm back. Yeah, so importantly, I think in this space, and I say this to clients all the time, I don't do truth as a concept. And that doesn't mean I don't think it exists, right? I think there's truth in the universe and we all have our own truths if you want to go down that pathway. But I don't think that's a universal truth. In the same sense, I don't think there's a universal sanity. I think we all hold our own perceptions and I think that's enough. I think that's like valid and genuine and authentic and all those good adjectives that we like to use today. Um, And I think if your version of the world is different from mine, that doesn't have to matter. It doesn't have to matter with your partner. And don't get me wrong, I think there are times where you really do need to agree, right? Like I think there are times where you really want to share values on, I don't know, monogamy, right? Like we've just talked about polyamory as an example. And I tell you, the polyamory guys, they are so good when done well, so good at openness and communication and consent because it is like a more extreme relationship context. And so it requires more solid skills essentially. Uh, So I love half of your mum's advice on don't go to bed angry, but I think there are times where we can allow each other to be different and that can be fine, yeah. right? And I think that distance and difference can change as well. I think that even in close couples who have been together for a long time, uh, that the things you agreed on two years ago, you don't necessarily have to agree on this year as long as that works for everybody. And so the old agree to disagree 
I mean, I think when we make that statement, it so often sounds like a kind of unsatisfying concession. Yeah. And I think Team Gottman would tell you that it doesn't have to be an unsatisfying concession. Because apart from anything else, one of the other things that Gottman's did is, yes, shift the goalposts as far as what conflict should look like, because all relationships include conflict. Right? Yeah. You and I arguably have just gone through a version of conflict where you mostly maintain competence. Uh, competence? No. Uh, what's the one where you don't wee yourself? Continence. <laughs> Stop it. Where you it mostly it maintain continence <laughs> and I bled it's out of my me. ears. <laughs> right? But equally, this is. I didn't know we were disagreeing. This is comfortable disagreement. Well, you're going down a whole line. We're like, you're right, and your partner should change. Right? And that's great. I mean, it's not. Don't do that. But it's great because that's what's quietly in the back of, I'd say, everybody's head. At least some of the time. And so hear that if that's in the back of your head, firstly, you're normal, just like Lisa. <laughs> and indeed like me. Of Very course, crazy. Of course, like me too. Normal uh, crazy. And it's a workable situation, right? Not that your partner has to change so that you can feel better or your friend or your boss or your insert person here. Go for it. What's your instructions to making it workable? I think like, it's a question step of by step. can you let it go? Right. Is there like a like? But is there like a way that couples can have a chat and make a pathway out and still have disagreed without throwing away the line of oh we're going to have to agree to disagree then? Yeah. What's well, the alternative that isn't? Yeah, like and I think a shitty throwaway. Yeah, line? yeah. So apart from anything else, I think the words are fine. We're going to have to agree to disagree. I think the emotional subtext is problematic. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, fucking answers. God's <laughs> sake, one fucking episode. Has it not become apparent? There are no the answers, right? The so singular. There are answers multiple, uh, and those answers will change between relationships, and they'll change within relationships on any given day. And so I think, apart from anything else, and to to come to the the point I was almost making before I forgot how to say continents, uh, is that it's not enough to get rid of the bad, you actually need to build good, right? So while we talked in the, I think the previous session, uh, the previous episode um, or two ago was about being not unhappy and that in individual work, that's like most of what I do is working on being not unhappy. Certainly in relationship work, you need to build a good relationship, a space where it is fun and supportive and loving or whatever it needs to be, respectful, right? Whatever your values are, whatever your needs are, that's the thing you want to build. And you want to use those strengths and use that way of being together to have conflict and disagreement. Mm. And I think apart from anything else, accepting that you and your partner or your friend or your sibling are, firstly, hopefully not all the same person. And (laughs) secondly... You want to use your strengths of your relationship to allow the vulnerabilities and the disconnections to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if that can be fantastic. And if it can't be, then maybe you can tweak the boundaries and it's okay. And maybe you need to do more than tweak the boundaries, right? Maybe you need to do a lot more than that. And the Gottmans have done more than just this, right? They have lots and lots of resources. They have a whole website out there, which I will link to uh, in the show notes. Um, So they have like lots of resources for clienty favored folks, for clinician flavored people as well. So I've done like the Gottman level one training, oh. even though I'm a comedically bad uh, couples counsellor. And it was really helpful. Yeah, right. And it really highlighted to me that I'm a very poor fit for couples counselling as a profession because it just doesn't make any sense to me as a concept. I can like say the words, but I just can't make it work for me emotionally, which is yeah, fine. Right. But like nobody can do everything. Uh, and importantly, I am like busy enough <laughs> as which far as my work. 
I mean, the, the whole thing is that in couples counseling, the relationship is your client. And um, I can say that out loud, but I have no right. idea what that means for me emotionally. Yeah, okay. Whereas, like, I have lots of sessions, what are called joint sessions, where, say, my child client brings their parent in, or sometimes even my adult client brings their partner in or another person. Yeah. And we can talk about communication and supporting the client. But for me, the client is always the client and they're the client. Yeah. Uh, whereas what happens in couples counseling when the relationship ends? Like, what if that's the best idea? And I know there are sensible answers to all of these things in couples counseling land. And there are folks who do beautiful work in this space. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not one of them. Yeah. Uh, and I could get there. Like, I, I have optimism that I could get there with enough time and work, but I'm probably better off putting that time and work into other parts of my trade, right? getting better even at the stuff that I already, it seems, do relatively well, yeah. which is to frustrate people by telling them that there is no truth or answers. Well, I'm going to come back to that. I'm wondering if, uh, let me run this past you sure. as a potential yeah. answer. Sure. If I've had a part with my, uh, fight with my friend, family member, partner, yeah. but I want to walk my way through it <laughs> and get to a point where we disagree yes. but without me feeling like shit. Yes, great. Right? Yeah, very good. Is this a place where I put my big girl pants on mm -hmm. um, and um, have a chat yes. and say, look, this is not something I agree with in this situation because mm. of X, Y, Z, yeah. but I respect where you're coming from. Nice. And I'd really like us to be able to get to a place where we move through it. Is there anything else you need to make that happen from your end. That is great. And I think the only challenge with it is you need to be able to actually respect where they're coming from. Yes. Because it's easier to say, I respect where you're coming from, whereas deep inside, like, I don't respect where you're coming from. You're a fucking idiot. Yes. Yeah. And I think if you're in, like, I think the thing, so in politics as well, I think predetermining boundaries <laughs> is a big thing that I like or expectations yes. is a big thing that I like. So in the moment of the fight, that's probably not the time to have a chat about how you're going to conduct yourself in no. fights. So <laughs> if you're living in a life with someone yep. in close quarters and you're building that space where you're building mm. the good things as well, yes. it could be a conversation where you go, okay, so we've chosen to have a life together. We're not always going to agree. Hmm. Can we just set some ground rules about how we might, like, continue to try and salvage our love and loving situation, <laughs> but also disagree? Can we agree that, we, you know, if this hmm. happens and conflict arises, we at least try and give ourselves time out to calm down? Nice. Get back together at some point yeah. and have a chat about it. Yeah. And use respectful words and not take personal punching hits at each other. Yeah, absolutely. And then find a pathway. Yes. Through. Yeah. And I think it's that difference between taking time out to calm down, knowing that you're coming back to it. Yeah. As opposed to, yeah, we're taking time out to calm down and then we're running away and never talking about this again. Right. It's the yeah. difference between distraction and avoidance, essentially. Yeah. Um, so distraction is there to help everybody re-regulate and have another go. Uh, yeah. And avoidance is the desperate hope that it will simply never happen again and therefore we never need to talk about it. And and the latter does not work, unfortunately. No, but also talking about it when you're really mad sometimes doesn't work no. either because you're like the worst version of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because someone has to stay calm. 
Yeah. In all of these conversations, someone has to stay calm. Only one person has to stay calm, but someone has to stay calm. I mean, in therapy, it's always the therapist. Little spoon. Yeah, exactly. Take a turn, as long as that swinging aroundabouting and exactly. not just the one person not over and over again. Always one person over and over again. Because importantly, and we didn't talk about it before in that kind of big spoon, little spoon context, like that doesn't even have to be on any given day. It can be on any given topic. Uh, so, you know, if you and I are talking about coffee, uh, then I will big spoon to your little spoon. But equally, you know, if we're talking about breaking yourself running, you'll big spoon to my little spoon because I'm much more prone to break myself running than you are. Uh, <laughs> I promise you. As you do. That's why. <laughs> why do you say that? Like it's obvious. Oh, <laughs> this is so boring. Yeah, I'm gonna that for breakfast. No, I don't. It's really hard. <laughs> but that's the important point, right? Again, I think as long as the relationship works for you, and again, isn't just what you feel you deserve or what you want, even, but it what works for you. So again, hearing your reactions to relationships over the longer time frame, uh, then, yeah, I think the kind of pathway you lay out there where you're, like, diplomatic, you use your words, you ask for what you want, you ask what they want as well, fantastic, as far as any given conversation is concerned. Yeah. Hmm. I think, broadly speaking, it's something that, as a society, we're doing very badly at the minute is disagreeing <laughs> yes. with each other and um, holding other people's opinions. Or social media. Yeah. It's just, like, all very opinionated, very aggressive. Space. Very righteous, very... And, like, weirdly enough, right, so you and I... My crazy is the only crazy. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, my truth is the only truth, My truth is the only truth. And every other truth is alternative facts or fake news. Yeah. Uh, And that's just a shout at one side, right? But, of course, like, it's irrelevant to political orientation. These phenomena occur in every flavor of human being ever in the history of the world. I think the difference now is that there isn't the social cost and obligation that comes with like face-to-face communication. Mm. When you and I were talking about it just before this session, we started recording that, you know, the sweat lodge sessions have been great. They've been really good. It's been so much easier than doing this via Zoom. And I mean, Zoom is very adequate and I do the majority of my work via Zoom and I find it to be an amazing innovation. But as far as like getting a flow going and the back and forth, like this face-to-face game is a lot easier yeah, imagine if we were only doing this via text. I was about to say text. And we didn't even Should use our just... names. Well, but even if that's horrifying. Well, um, that's Twitter. That's what Twitter is. But back to closer relationships, yeah. there's so many times these days that we will have a disagreement battle on text yeah. or on WhatsApp or, uh, yeah. you know, like that's shocking as far as trying to leave space. Well, as a, like, goes. as a micro skill encouragement, I'm going to suggest that the second there are hard feelings of any description, you want to at least get on the phone. Yeah. Like, don't try and do... I tell you, there's nothing more empowering than receiving a text message that goes for, like, multiple screens, right? That is not a good sign. If you're writing a text message that goes for multiple screens, stop. Stop immediately and pick up the phone as a starting point. Preferably get face to face because humans rely. Two in the morning after I've been at the pub and I've got to be in my bottom. Oh my god! Two o'clock in the morning when all the best problems are solved. Uh, No, 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 no. Anything after midnight? No, it's a hard no. No. No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> we, we kind of talked to it on a, before in a different context, that statement, uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree, right? Getting to a point where we agree to disagree, right? That is a lovely, warm statement. Whereas we have to agree to disagree is mm. not. 
And all of that nuance is lost in text. And the person reading it will imbibe that statement with whatever hard feelings they're experiencing and their deepest insecurities, Mm. right? They'll just pour so much into that in that moment, even if it's not what's intended. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of text and email and all of the ways in which people communicate. But like everything else that we've talked about over bloody 10 hours now, uh, I think that these are tools for a job and they are tools that are not applicable outside of that job. And Twitter in particular is a space that is so rife for dysfunctional conflict because it's the stuff that you would never say to another person's face. Yeah. Right? Sometimes for better, rarely. I mean, that's that kind of that you can't ask that show kind of rests on that premise, but importantly for worse. And there's a lot of for worse mm. in Twitter sphere, right? I think trolling uh, is a phenomenon that occurs far more regularly in Twitter sphere than face to face world. Because you would never do that thing face-to-face because you would see the pain in another person or just the judgment or the disapproval or the whatever, and that would act as a handbrake yeah. uh, for you as the fledgling troll. Um, yeah, and so I think, like, use these tools fine, but use them to the degree that they're useful, which is basically the same thing that I said throughout literally every other topic that we've discussed. Yeah, there's some themes I've noticed coming through. There are some themes, Yeah. You're an uh, expert. Take care of yourself. Listen to what you need rather than what you want. Boring. Boring. Yeah, but good advice. Uh, any last things on <laughs> fitting my crazy with your crazy? No, look, I think acceptance is a really important point, right? Understand yeah. that if I'm not magic as a psychologist, right, me who went to uni forever and a day, uh, college if you're in the States, uh, forever and a day to, like, understand how folks tick and what we can do about it, if I can't magically fix somebody, then surely nobody else can either. I think we can fix ourselves. I think it's distinctly not magic, uh, and I think that allowing that to be is hard and a little bit depressing and a really good idea. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Uplifting. (laughs) As you always are with these uh, pictures. Uh, <laughs> all right. What's your top three messages on Is My Crazy the Same as Your Crazy? All right. So, number one, you are mad. You, the person listening to this, are a crazy person. Let that be. Please let yourself be crazy because if you do, you've got space to manage it. And if you don't, if you pretend you're you're in denial, then you will bend the world around you to be wrong rather than accepting that you are also a very strange human being within it. Uh, The good news is that everyone else is crazy too. And that, I know, you're not alone with this experience. Like the world is full of very, very strange uh, people. Uh, You are one of them and the people you're connected to are ones as well. Uh, And I think if we can keep punting towards comfortable disagreement, as far as any given relationship is concerned, right? It doesn't just need to be uh, romantic relationships. I think that plays out in all relationship contexts. That is a great goal to have. Two-thirds of the time. Two-thirds of the time. People do not resolve. Couples do not couples. And this is like well-functioning issues. couples as best as we can tell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a big number. That's the vast majority. And clearly it's okay. Yep. Yep. Seems terrifying, but that's the good news. It's not. doesn't need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Manage it. Manage Deal it. with it. <laughs> Have feelings in that. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Okay, so there will be links to resources you've mentioned today in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But, Tom, this was the last episode for season one. We amazing. made it. We made it. 
only 18 short months to like get our shit together. But we got there in the end. This has been amazing. The uh, Sweat Lodge expansion pack has been a delight. <laughs> Fingers crossed we can sweat it up again at some stage Do in the future. Do you want to come back future. for more? I would love to come back to really? mine. I mean, there's like an infinite quantity of topics we could potentially talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, like, what I've you certainly got some like hot buttons. I mean, we haven't like, we have talked about like drugs or money or eating your feelings. So I think there's lots of good topics for us to discuss for over an infinite quantity of time if we have that available. Well, <laughs> thanks to all of our crazy tribe for listening to our random banter this season, most of which is about <laughs> mental health uh, with some really random detours. Yeah. Uh, we've really loved exploring these issues. Yes. I've loved exploring these issues with you, oh, Tom. Oh, great. Thank you, Lisa Downs. And look, this has been enormously valuable for me. It's again, uh, they kind of my, my initial premise is that I have this conversation a really like a lot. Um, and so good to kind of get it down and get it out there. Hopefully it's of some use to more people than just the small number of people that I get to see. Like, don't get me wrong, I love my clients, every single one of them. Uh, and the hardest part of my job isn't the people I get to talk to, it's the people I don't get to talk to. Yeah. Uh, and so if we can do any little thing to like reach a little bit beyond, you know, whether it's the sweat lodge or my therapy room. I think that's uh, that's been a really good thing to do. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so from your two happily crazy friends, uh, all people are crazy, take care of yourself and we'll be back with more in season two. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Dom. All People Are Crazy is a production of The Therapy People. We would appreciate your five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Why not visit us at allpeoplearecrazy.com.au or on Instagram or Facebook. If you're a psychologist interested in setting up private practice, why not visit therapypeople.com.au to see whether we can be of assistance.